You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. These are wild times. Have we ever had this? A country that's being invaded under total siege and the president from the battlefield, essentially, the president of Ukraine is able to address world leaders. He's doing that. And actually, he'll be speaking to the U.S. Congress a joint session tomorrow. Today was extraordinary. He spoke. He begged at points for help. And who's to blame him? He also made a remarkable concession today. I think this is significant. Others agree. Could this be a glimmer of peace? Is this what the rush is? This a way out for everybody. Take a look. It's clear that Ukraine is not a member of NATO. We understand it. We are adequate people. We have heard for years about open doors, but we have already heard that we won't be able to join it. It's the truth, and it's necessary to admit it. I'm glad that our people start understanding it and counting on themselves and our partners who help us. Okay, that's actually a big deal. If he says we're not going to be joining NATO for decades, maybe, is that what the Russians are looking for? We know that they found NATO expansion provocative. That's a big deal to them. Kissinger warned about this decades ago that NATO expansion could lead to very bad things, a very bad reaction from Russia. Back to Zelensky. Um, his performance, as we all know, has been extraordinary. He's talking to world bodies and the world is going to him. Take a look at this. There is a summit in the works happening in Kiev. The leaders uh, from Poland, from Slovenia, from the Czech Republic. Uh, there they are. Uh, the guy in the tie, by the way, uh, we think he's uh, he works for the train. <laughs> Here are the leaders on a train on their way to Kiev to sit down with him and to show unity. And that's pretty remarkable. It's also very, very gutsy, of course. Now, where are we? A quick review of the sanctions. You hear a lot about the sanctions. What actually is being imposed, all right? Yes, uh, we have blocked Russian banks' access to SWIFT, very important program. Russian aircraft banned from U.S. airspace, ban on Russian oil, ban export of luxury goods to Russia. What else? Travel bans, asset freezes, uh, personal sanctions on Putin's spokesperson, family, banned transactions with Russian Central Bank, Ministry of Finance, and so forth. Next, we have revoke Russia's most favored nation status. Now it's getting even more severe. Deny borrowing privileges at multilateral financial institutions. Ban U.S. import of goods from several signature sectors of Russia's economy. And how about this military aid? Yes, it is coming in. This is serious military aid and also a lot of cash. A lot of money is going to Ukraine. But 
Is this too little, too late? Zelensky is not satisfied, and who can blame him? He wants, well, he wants more. You all need to do more to stop Russia, to protect Ukraine, and by doing that, to protect Europe from Russian threat. They're destroying everything, memorial complexes, schools, uh, hospitals, uh, uh, housing complex. They already killed 97 Ukrainian children. We are not asking for much. We're asking for justice, for real support, which will help us to prevail, to defend, to save life, to save life all of the world. He's speaking there to the Canadian Parliament, and they loved the message, at least. Well, look at how they reacted. Glory to Ukraine. Thank you to Canada. It went on like this for about a minute, about a minute. By the way, it doesn't mean he'll get what he wants. Now, tomorrow, Zelensky will speak before our Congress. He's going to do it during the day, no, though, not in prime time. I don't think they want the American people to hear all of this, to be hanging on his every word, because Congress may say no to him. They said no to Poroshenko when he asked for weapons, the former president of Ukraine. But it should be a wild scene, historic. I don't think this has ever happened. A guy from a battlefield addressing Congress, the closest thing I can think of, MacArthur. But he had just been fired and he was off the battlefield and he spoke to a joint session of Congress. So we mentioned sanctions. Um, They obviously were not tough enough or are not tough enough because they did not stop Putin and they are not stopping Putin. And that was we were told the intention We were sort of told that, remember? Purpose of the sanctions has always been and continues to be deterrence. The purpose of the sanctions in the first instance is to try to deter Russia from going to war. The president believes that sanctions are intended to deter. They're meant to prevent and deter a large-scale invasion. We want them to have a deterrent effect. The sanctions are designed in the first instance to try to deter Russia from taking further aggression. As well as our efforts to uh, both try to deter Russia uh, through sanctions. If you pull the trigger on that deterrent, well, then it doesn't exist anymore as a deterrent. All right. Uh, Real quick, a deterrent, just so we know, a deterrent is the following. Okay, the action of discouraging an action or event through instilling doubt or fear of the consequences. And man, that was we know what that means. We know what they said. And then Joe Biden mixed it all up. No one expected the sanctions to prevent anything from happening. Really? This is a problem inconsistent message, but I don't know. Do you? Are we going to up it a notch somehow? It's worked before. When Trump came into office, who remembers? Kim Jong-un. He was firing rockets like crazy. He did. Very, very provocative. Do you remember? One came very close to Guam, which is a U.S. territory in the Pacific Ocean. 
North Korea is spelling out a potential battle plan against the United States. The regime says it will be ready to fire four missiles toward Guam later this month. There is a direct threat to the United States here from the North Koreans. Uh, it doesn't get any more direct than that for them to say they are looking at a plan to attack Guam. The regime says it could use missiles to create an enveloping fire over the Western Pacific Island. A direct threat. Wow. How do you deter a direct threat from North Korea, from an adversary like that? I think this is a textbook way to do it. Donald Trump style. North Korea best not make any more threats to the United States. They will be met with fire and fury like the world has never seen. Clear, direct, unmistakable, and I believe he meant it, right? Clear cut. And he, uh, he doubled down on that, right? The United States has great strength and patience, but if it is forced to defend itself or its allies, we will have no choice but to totally destroy North Korea. Rocket Man is on a suicide mission for himself and for his regime. The United States is ready, willing, and able. But hopefully, this will not be necessary. So the world was horrified. How could he talk like that? How gauche, how? But that was the point. And you know who was horrified? The person we wanted to deter, Kim Jong-un. And guess what? <laughs> they announced that they will stop nuclear tests and launches of intercontinental ballistic missiles. It is not necessary for us to conduct any more nuclear tests. I think he got the message, that deterrent thing we were talking about, right? The action of discouraging an action or event through instilling doubt or fear of the consequences. Well done, President Trump, because now that he's gone... Kim Jong-un is pressing that button like crazy, launching rockets left and right. Take a look at this schedule of launches that we've seen as of late. Uh, Kim Jong-un, and now there's been a burst of ballistic missiles in the new year, seven in January alone, and two in the past few weeks. Yes, things have changed because... Well, Joe Biden is stumbling and bumbling around, and he's not impressive. He's not talking in that forceful, direct way. In fact, it's just the opposite. Things got a little interesting for him. I wonder if he got nervous because Vladimir Putin announced that they are personally sanctioning Joe Biden. Any bank accounts he has over there, he won't be able to access. And Donald Trump had this to say about that latest development. Breaking news, Russia just sanctioned Joe Biden. While that is a terrible thing in so many ways, perhaps it will now be explained why the Biden family received $3.5 million from the very wealthy former mayor of Moscow's wife. Huh. During our presidential debate, moderator Chris Wallace, then of Fox, would not let me ask that question. He said it was inappropriate. Remember that? Perhaps that's why Biden has been so slow on the draw with Russia. This is a really bad conflict of interest that will perhaps now be fully and finally revealed. First of all, remember that moment in the debate? Trump had some momentum. Hey, I wanted to know about the, the financial shenanigans of the Bidens. I think it could have been discussed, didn't you? 
He didn't have a job until you became vice president. Once you None became of vice president, he made a fortune in Ukraine, in China, in Moscow, that is simply and various not other places. True. He my made son, a fortune. Gentlemen, my son. And he didn't have a job. My son, like a lot of people, like a lot of people we know at home, had a drug problem. He's overtaken it. He's, he's, he's fixed it. He's worked on it. And I'm proud of him. But why I'm was he giving tens son. of millions right. of dollars? But he wasn't giving right. tens of millions of That is totally, that's totally discredited. We've already been through this. I think the American people would rather hear about more substantial so subjects. Well, you know, as the moderator, sir, I'm going to make a, know, a judgment call here. but three and a half million okay, dollars right. from the Let's mayor about, of Moscow, Let's that talk is about not it's true. true. Gentlemen, that report is totally Why discredited. I, I, I Mitt think, Romney on that committee said it wasn't worth taxpayers' money, that report. It was written for political you, reasons. You know, I'd like to talk about climate change. So would I. Okay. Climate change. Climate change. I'd like to know about Joe Biden's conflict of interest right now. Right now, that's important. Chris Wallace, shut it down. These numbers are accurate. That kind of money went from a Ukrainian company to the Bidens, and that kind of money went from the mayor of Moscow's wife that has not been refuted to the Bidens. This is a conflict of interest, and we should have known about it, heard more about it during the campaign, but you just saw how it was silenced. And by the way, that laptop, which is a roadmap to their corruption, has never been refuted, has never, the authenticity of it, it's actually been validated. Although he had no problem lying about it during the campaign. There are 50 former national intelligence folks who said that what this he's accusing me of is a Russian plant. They have said that this is, has all the care. Four, five former heads of the CIA, both parties, say what he's saying is a bunch of garbage. Nobody believes it except the, his and his good friend, Rudy Gianni. You mean the laptop is now another Russia, Russia, Russia hoax? And that's exactly what, is this that's where you're exactly going? what This is going. where he's going. The laptop right. is Russia, yes. Russia, Gentlemen, Russia? I want to stay on the issue of race. You okay? have to be kidding. Here Mr. we go President, again with Russia. We're going to. We're going, to continue, we're going to continue on the issue of race, race and climate change. Not about the laptop, not about Joe Biden's business dealings overseas. It's a valid issue. And by the way, the computer, it's been verified, okay? It was Hunter. <laughs> There's a major book by one of the best journalists in the country, Miranda Devine, Laptop from Hell. You can read it. I did. I highly recommend it. Everybody, everybody knows it now. I mean, everybody knows it. Take a look at this. When's the last time 62% of America agreed on anything? Putin would not have invaded if Trump were president. 62% of Americans believe that, and they're not wrong. We'll be right back with a very brave person in Russia. We hope she's okay. She protested the war on live television. Take a look at that. She's in big trouble now, though. We'll be right back. Hi, Rob Carson here. If you love watching Newsmax, you're really going to love listening to our new podcast. It's called the Newsmax Daily. I host it, and I give you the best briefing of the big news of the day, top newsmaker interviews, and even, yes, a few laughs. I know it's hard to believe. So if you're uh, driving, walking, exercising, just about anywhere, you can connect with the Newsmax Daily with me, Rob Carson. Find our podcast online or go to iPhone, Spotify, iHeart, Stitcher, and more, and start listening today.
All I, I can say is that, that the fake, fake news just doesn't get it, do they? <laughs> and the fake news right now really is Russia. Uh, they haven't been telling their people the truth. And when the truth tries to get slipped in there, everyone freaks out. Take a look. Российский премьер подчеркнул, надо усилить сотрудничество в рамках союзного государства, а на совещании в правительстве обсуждали, как сохранить доступность границы не должны. So in America, if you did that, well, you see it all the time. People, that's like a Baba Booey situation over there. This is as bad as it gets, and she is in potentially a great deal of trouble. Her name is Marina, and uh, she was arrested, subject of a pre-investigation check whatever that is, interrogated by police for 14 hours, just fine so far. Look, she seems happy right now, by the way, and here she is with her lawyer. We're just afraid that she's going to be shipped off to the gulag or be fed a little bit of uh, arsenic for lunch. We hope she's okay. Uh, the whole world knows what her name is and knows what she looks like. Again, in America, you'd go on the Jimmy Fallon show after something like this. Here, she's in big-time danger. Also... Did you hear about the TikTokers who met with President uh, Biden or at least his team at the White House? I can't figure out these TikTokers. They're pretty ordinary. I don't find it that entertaining, but they have like gazillions of followers. And now they're armed with Biden administration talking points. I had the opportunity to ask the White House why gas down the street is $7. And here's what they said. The obvious reason we're getting out of a two-year pandemic, when use goes up, price goes up. There is a substantial amount of Russian propaganda and just misinformation on this app. And thankfully, the White House is reaching out to creators to dispel that misinformation. So they said that they hope that this crisis at least raises the public consciousness around geopolitical issues throughout the world. And that even though Americans may not be proud of other things the United States has done globally, that they hope that we can look back on this moment and see how the United States rallied the West to stand up against Russia and be proud of that. All right. Eat your heart out, Walter Cronkite. Uh, look, just because you're cool doesn't mean you're hip. All right. Doesn't mean you're hip and just spouted off a bunch of talking points. And quite frankly, you should have dug a little bit deeper. Meanwhile, throughout all this stuff, you know what I've been thinking about? The phony impeachment of Donald Trump over that phone call to uh, Zelensky. Uh, just when it became a public issue, Trump released the transcript, the Trump White House, and everybody could see it. It was so official and it was obvious in moments that this was not inappropriate. It certainly wasn't in, uh, impeachable. But how much time as a country did we waste on it? Do you remember those hearings, the trial? It was all a waste of time. Think about what we could have done for the world, for Ukraine, if instead of debating this ridiculous momentary phone call, it wasn't ridiculous, it was fine, just doing something for the security of Europe. Our lawmakers are kind of supposed to do things like that. Think of serious issues. Going forward, what were we doing last summer? January 6th. Remember that uh, those cops? It was all about January 6th. Why did they choose these issues? Because they're easy to understand. There's a narrative. I mean, talking about arms shipments to, uh, I mean, talking about helping Ukraine, genuinely helping Ukraine, enhancing Eastern European security. That's boring. This stuff, it's sexy. It's a scandal. And oh, by the way, while this stuff was going on, what was Vladimir Putin doing? He had just met with Joe Biden, okay? 
and uh, I think the wheels were turning. Actually, last July, he put out a very interesting, uh, basically an announcement of what he wanted to do. Take a look. Uh, it, number one, one fact is crystal clear. Russia was robbed indeed. Talking about Ukraine. All right. Next, if economic ties between our countries had been retained, Ukraine would enjoy the benefit of tens of billions of dollars. Next, finally, I am confident that true sovereignty of Ukraine is possible only in partnership with Russia. This is code for he wants Ukraine back. All right. He said it. And it's interesting. This letter came out right after he met with Joe Biden. OK, they had that that meeting over there. And you tell me, I just don't think that uh, Vladimir Putin was particularly impressed. All right. When they sat together, he was like, I've got this guy figured out. That's my sense. That's my takeaway. Once again, this country focuses on the trivial when it should be focused on the important. Our obsession with scandal, with silly stuff like that phone call, it takes our eye off the ball. You know who actually concluded this? The 9-11 Commission. September 11, 2001 happened in part, and they say this in the report, because our Congress doesn't worry about oversight. They worry about scandal, issues designed to get maximum media attention. That's where they spend most of their time. Now, there are some exceptions to this. Once again, Mark, everybody wants to know Fly Zone. There's a lot that goes into that. And the one guy who seems to understand that the most is Marco Rubio, Republican from Florida. Are you and your colleagues now more open to a no-fly zone? You know, the, the look, a no-fly zone has become a catchphrase. I'm not sure a lot of people fully understand what that means. That means flying AWACS 24 hours a day. That means the willingness to shoot down and engage Russian airplanes in the sky. That means, frankly, you can't put those planes up there unless you're willing to knock out the anti-aircraft uh, systems that the Russians have deployed, and not just in Ukraine, but in Russia and also in, in, in Belarus. So basically, a no-fly zone, it, uh, if people understood what it means, it means World War III. He's a very thoughtful lawmaker, and he's done his homework. And I appreciate that, especially as somebody who once flew in a no-fly zone over Iraq, Operation Southern Watch in the late 1990s. There's a lot that goes into that, and it's not so easy. Maybe we'll do it. Maybe we won't. But he understands the ramifications. And I think everybody else needs to be reminded, me, you, everybody, that when it came to protecting Ukraine, Donald Trump was the guy. Trump administration decided to provide additional assistance to Ukraine in the form of lethal anti-tank missiles as they fight against Russian-backed separatists. This administration has given lethal weapons, the Javelin anti-tank system, to Ukraine. This administration has provided lethal weapons to the citizens of Ukraine to fight Russia aggression. He did. You can look it up. Sometimes it's hard to find, but he did. And you can also look it up. It's definitely hard to find that Obama Biden turned off that lethal aid that Ukraine desperately needed. President Obama met with Poroshenko afterwards at the White House, said only non-lethal aid, however, would be provided. We are providing um, non-lethal assistance. 
Uh, but the fact is, militarily, um, as Crimea demonstrated, uh, Ukraine is outgunned. Vice President Biden heads to Ukraine this week, offering moral support to go along with the non-lethal aid pledged by the United States. That's something, isn't it? It really is pivotal. And they never talk about it. It's all downplayed. When we come back, we'll meet a member of Ukraine's parliament who has taken up arms to defend his country. He is the youngest member of the Ukraine parliament. His name is Svyalatsov Yurash. He joins us next. You're looking at uh, Sviatoslav Yurash. He is a member of the Ukrainian parliament, happens to be the youngest member of the Ukrainian parliament ever. He was elected uh, when he was 23, 24. He's now 26 years old. And as you can see, he is armed and it looks like he's ready to help defend his country. Um, uh, member Yurash joins us right now uh, from Ukraine, sir. Welcome back to Newsmax. How are you doing? How are you holding up? Well, today was horrendous. My dearest friend, a journalist, uh, was killed today on the outskirts of Kiev, and uh, we were breaking the news to all the friends and family. So I cannot say exactly that the day went well. This is uh, terrible news, obviously, and we're so sorry for what's happening here. Uh, this is just an example, one of the many tragedies. Believe me, every single day in our country, people are getting killed and we are losing loved ones, dear ones, friends, family, relatives. The reality is all around Ukraine, this situation which I am living through today is lived through by many, many, many thousands, not to mention millions of refugees leaving Ukraine. In Mariupol alone, lost more than 20,000 people already. And the reality is that situation is happening all around my country every single day. My drama is just one of many. And to the question that you asked whether I'm ready, none of us are ready. None of us are ready for the fact that Russians are throwing phosphoric bombs, vacuum bombs, attacking us from the air, the ground, artillery, with everything they've got. None of us are ready. But we have no other choice but to face it all off and fight for our country till the very end. You're familiar with what America and its allies have provided so far. Some munitions, some weapons, money. There are various sanctions that have been imposed. If the alliance were to leave it at that and there were to be no no fly zone, uh, no further engagement, what do you think will happen? Horror will continue and the images you see on your TVs every single day will multiply. The reality is that uh, people in our country are suffering like no nation in Europe suffered since the Second World War. And that is just a result of the fact that we have all that we are thankful for from the West, but none of the steps that will make Russia reconsider. We ask for no-fly zone and ask for direct engagement with the West for one simple reason. The second biggest army in the world, Mr. Putin, will not stop until a bully like he receives a punch back. We are punching with everything we've got, but this is David and Goliath in battling it out. And without a God to truly make a just judgment, the West can impose at any point that it wishes. This horror will continue, and you will keep seeing that 
bloodbath which is sipping into Europe and the West. What was horrible. Your president, President Zelensky, a member, you're, you're a member of his party, uh, I, as I understand. He's speaking to the world, very unprecedented. The president in the middle of a battle engaging the world, world bodies. I think this is to the European Union. And uh, let's listen to that, please. We want to live and we want to be victorious. We want to prevail for the sake of life. Close the airspace. Please stop the bombing. How many more cruise missiles have to fall on our cities until you make this happen? There is a there is a great deal of pressure in this country from our Congress to establish that no fly zone. But there is a great deal of resistance as well. You know, we've heard President Biden seems very reluctant. There are members of our Congress and. You know, this could bring us into a shooting war with uh, with Russia. Um, this may not happen. I hope I hope this ends soon. I would like to ask you, though, what you're hearing about the Russian military. Yes, it's big. Yes, it's uh, powerful. But we keep seeing reports that they are bogged down. The soldiers are not motivated. They are confused. Some of them are drunk and they are just not faring well on the battlefield. Is there any sense in Ukraine that you could shock the world all over again and beat them. Not to mention we are capturing hundreds of their POWs. We just had a platoon today that, that gave up in the north of Ukraine. And that's the reality everywhere. The fact on the ground is that the Russians don't know what they're doing here. And no matter the whips of the Russian government, that doesn't provide for that motivation need soldiers need to actually sacrifice their life for a cause. So the point here is that Russia is getting uh, a beating, but Russia is counting on the fact that it can try and use that energy, power and money to fuel this war machine, to conduct much more horror to Ukraine, because Putin said it himself, he doesn't want to leave the Ukrainian question to next generations. He wants to destroy us. And we are not going to give up to let him do that. We are going to fight for all we have and the West can either help us stop this at any point it wishes or allow this to proceed and have another one situations that should have never happened again, happening again. Sviatoslav Yurash, member of the Ukraine parliament, thank you very much. We're so sorry for what is happening and what you're going through. We hope that peace prevails and many, many thanks. And my personal wish for your safety, please take care. Thank you very much. All right. To be continued, and we will be right back. You're on the go and need news now. No paywalls, no cable subscriptions. Just download the Newsmax app from your smartphone store. It's free. And watch Newsmax TV anytime, anywhere. After September 11, 2001, and those horrible attacks, George W. Bush did something that was very decent. He made clear that America's problem was not with Islam. And uh, he was very concerned about Islamophobia and made a, a trip to a mosque and made it clear that uh, our problem was with the terrorists, not with Islam. You know, I did see some efforts after uh, COVID hit. People went to Chinatown 
Now, some of those efforts, quite frankly, were a little bit ridiculous, and they didn't really seem to understand what was going on. Our problem was never with the Chinese people. It was with the communists in China and their lies about COVID and what they may have done to create it. Now, moving on to where we are right now, we have this horrible invasion of Ukraine uh, conducted by Russia, and people are taking it out on Russians, actually, in America. There's a very popular Russian restaurant. They've been harassed uh, left and right, people calling them Nazis and all kinds of terrible things. They're good people. They have nothing to do with the invasion of Ukraine. We're joined now by Misha Von Schatz, the owner of Russian Samovar Restaurant, a New York classic. Misha, welcome to Newsmax. How are you? And thanks, thanks for, for being here. Me. You bet. You bet. Hey, yeah. Has it been tough? Are people I, I, I've read and I've heard and um, it sounds like you guys are not being treated uh, uh, very well these days. No, we're not. Uh, it's Russophobia 2.0. It's a vilification of anything Russian or anybody Russian. And uh, that's what we're dealing with at the moment. Uh, business dropped severely about 60 percent uh, the Friday after the war started, 70 percent Saturday. And we're just trying to explain to people that just because we are a quote unquote Russian establishment doesn't mean we cut a check to Putin or his regime and that we're just refugees fleeing the oppressive Soviet Union trying to make our way in America, which we've been doing for 35 years. And by the way, I see a, a Ukraine flag right below the A plus uh, health rating. That's a good thing to have. Uh, what are you doing uh, regarding uh, you stand by Ukraine? And, and I understand um, you've been talking about raising money. Right. Uh, I myself am half Ukrainian, half Russian. My father's from Odessa, Ukraine. My mother's from uh, former Leningrad, now St. Petersburg. Um, we have a lot of Ukrainians that work with us. So it's very important for us to really show our solidarity. And we're completely against the war. So anything and everything we're doing right now is more fundraising, trying to get money towards the foundations, helping the ch children in the humanitarian crisis that's going on with all the refugees. Uh, we, we might be doing a few large... Uh, one's coming up. We just did one on Sunday. That was to help our immediate uh, Ukrainian family and friends that are stuck there right now and their families. A lot of interest in what you're going through in the restaurant and this. you're not alone here. I'd like to, if you don't mind, your customers are, are really amazing and they spoke so powerfully to a local news reporter at New York One about the situation. We'd like to run a, a clip of that, if you don't mind. Within 24 hours of the invasion, the restaurant was dealt with a steep drop in business, and they faced backlash, including hate mail and phone calls. One of our servers got a call three times yesterday calling us Nazis and fascists and everything like that. So that's that's never nice. But customers like Rita and Igor, originally from Ukraine, came specifically to support the restaurant. Probably a lot of restaurants, Russian restaurants struggling now, but they really don't have anything to do with the government there. They probably need to change their name to Ukrainian Horilka. They're vilifying all of us, pretty much, and we're not for the war. We don't want the war. It's a message that customers supporting the restaurant also want to spread. It's, it's a war that is horrible. It's something we have to do to support Ukrainians in every way. But targeting Russians in New York is not the way to do it. I love it. I love it. Uh, that was um, that was almost a week ago. Uh, you're still getting those calls. You still has it has it oh, intensified or is it going down? Uh, well, it's gone. It's been about the same. But with all the press that we've been doing, uh, we've been getting a lot of pleasant calls and, and emails as well. So it's kind of balancing out. But I mean, right before I jumped on, we got a call calling my mom. B word. Uh, we hope your business burns to the ground. 
I'll shut it down. Same thing, Nazis, fascists, uh, you just complete stupidity. It seems to be like some people are just taking whatever they have aggression inside and found a way to unleash it onto whatever is now the hot thing to be angry about. Yeah, <laughs> the hot thing to be you know? angry about, right. That's, uh, yeah. that's kind of a hobby for culture. a lot of folks. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about the restaurant, yeah. if you don't mind. Uh, how long has it been around and what's on the menu? Well, uh, we've been around 35 years. My uh, grandfather, Roman Kaplan, founded it with uh, famous ballerina Mikhail Brishnikov and uh, Nobel Prize winning poet Joseph Brodsky. Uh, this place was created to be a safe haven for everybody fleeing the oppression of the Soviet Union. Uh, and this was a meeting place for the intelligentsia, those that were uh, exiled, just to come and celebrate their, their traditions. Uh, you know, our food is... Chicken Kiev is the star of the dish. Uh, you know, beef stroganoff is always a classic. Uh, our, our menu is comprised of all many different Soviet Republic uh, styles of uh, cuisine, from Georgian to Russian to Ukrainian to uh, possibly Azerbaijan even. Uh, plus, we've been making our own vodka for over 20, 30 years. So come on by. Whoever's in New York, please visit. You know, we'd love to have you. Absolutely. I'm in New York and I've never been. I will be there soon. Uh, Misha awesome. Von Schatz, we appreciate it very much. All the best to your staff and your family. Thank you. Thank you. I'll have some horseradish waiting for you. <laughs> horseradish okay. vodka. Okay. Oh, no, I'm going to have to decline that. Make it a virgin vodka. Can we do that? I don't know. Uh, thank you, sir. I'll yeah, be right okay. back. hard to know exactly what is going on in Ukraine. Um, seems pretty widely understood, though, that the Russian military is not performing well at all, uh, certainly well short of expectations. Now, what does that mean? What are the implications of that? And what is China thinking? You know, they're watching all of this. And China, of course, would love to take back Taiwan. Uh, they see it as their territory. They want it. It's been independent for way too long. And the thinking goes that, well, China would use this moment to take advantage and move in, potentially, potentially. And what did she and Putin talk about at the Olympics? I'd like to know from our experts, is Taiwan more vulnerable as a result of what's going down in Ukraine? We have with us uh, former General Anthony Tata, welcome back, sir. And Steve Yates, CEO of DC International Advisory. He's also a senior fellow at the America First Policy Institute. Uh, Steve, first to you. China's watching everything. What do you think their takeaways are so far? Are they more or less likely to take action against Taiwan? I'd say it's a bit of a mixed bag because the lessons they should be taking from Ukraine are that a people uh, are much more committed to defending themselves than an invasion force is perhaps in taking and controlling that territory. Uh, militaries who have not engaged in effective hot combat may prove to be ill-prepared when they are actually faced with real warfare and the ugliness that it requires of them. Uh, and so there should be a lot of deterring messages that come from watching this grind away. At the same time, though, the Chinese 
tend to look at Russia as a junior partner, less economically powerful, uh, less able to resist sanctions than perhaps China thinks it is. And so I think that the United States and others have a lot of work to do to make sure that deterrence is reinforced in Asia after deterrence failed in Europe. Uh, it's wonderful to see the Ukrainians grind this out, but after all, NATO and everyone else stood there and waited until after invasion to really move. So, by the way, General, uh, the Russian military, again, this war should not, you shouldn't look at Twitter to evaluate this war, and so much is on social media. I don't think we're getting all the facts that we need. Your assessment of how the Russian military is performing. Hey, Greg, great to be with you. And uh, you're exactly right. It's hard to get the truth. It's hard to uh, see through the spin coming from uh, Russia, coming through from our own administration. And, and so I, I think it's taken longer than they anticipated. Uh, combat is tough. Uh, the the uh, Ukrainians get a big vote here. Um, as Steve just said, uh, you know, they're passionate defenders of their own terrain. I think uh, China is watching this from a strategic and tactical uh, uh, viewpoint. Uh, strategically, how, how unified is the West? As Steve said, uh, NATO was late in responding. Uh, can the West, uh, you know, in the Pacific Rim, uh, you know, muster the same kind of uh, sanctions and a unified front that seems to be coming together slowly uh, from NATO? And, and what would the West reaction to Taiwan be, and how would it be similar and dissimilar from Ukraine. And tactically, uh, they probably watch the Russians come at this from multiple axes of advance, dissipating their combat power. Mass is a, uh, you know, one of the maxims of war that uh, the, the Russians have not employed here. You know, they they came in with a force from Belarus uh, in, the, in the north, uh, west of the uh, Dnieper River, which was key to pressure Kiev uh, while they fought along uh, tenuous lines of communication from the east. And when you look at China, Taiwan, uh, you know, that's an island nation and it's a whole different uh, geometrical uh, problem yep. set for, for China. Uh, President Zelensky said this today. I, I thought it was significant, but gentlemen, please, about not joining NATO. He's given up on it. Take a look. It's clear that Ukraine is not a member of NATO. We understand it. We are adequate people. We have heard for years about open doors, but we have already heard that we won't be able to join it. It's the truth, and it's necessary to admit it. I'm glad that our people start understanding it and counting on themselves and our partners who help us. Was this some sort of message to or an olive branch to Putin, uh, Steve? Putin obviously doesn't want any uh, Ukraine membership in NATO. Is this a big deal? Is this a glimmer of, you know, hope here? Well, I think it is basically President Zelensky trying to do whatever he can to stop the bombardment of his own country. Uh, this has been grinding along, and the resolve of the Ukrainians has been admirable, but for sure they're paying a heavy price. There's fatalities, there's destruction of property, uh, and that there's no end in sight yet. 
this notion of NATO has been on the table for a long time. The most strange thing about this is if, if Putin really cared about that, I think that could have been negotiated away from the options that Ukraine was pursuing well before this move toward uh, a war. Uh, but I think that Zelensky is being pushed by Europe and NATO to say that he's not going to seek that, to try to create the stage for a deal. And maybe, okay, like this would be face-saving for Russia and everybody wants to save face. That's so important in all these things. President Zelensky is going to speak to uh, the United States Congress tomorrow. I'd like to show how he was received in Canada. A big round of applause. They loved what he had to say. Glory to Ukraine. Thank you to Canada. And, and, and this went on for a long time, about a minute or so. But, General, he asked for a lot of stuff. He asked for firepower. He asked for airplanes. He wants a no-fly zone. And I, what's your sense of whether Congress will give him that or not? It would have to ultimately be authorized. They'd have to have a role in it. I only have 10 seconds. Do you think he'll get what he wants? I, I doubt it. I, I really do. And I, I think uh, the administration is hedging on the side of uh, not triggering a red line with NATO uh, to get NATO involved until they absolutely have to be. And and I believe that that's what will happen. Thank you, General Tata and uh, Mr. Yates. Thank you very much. Be right back. Who's breaks every minute, every day. You need the app, the Newsmax app. Find it free on your smartphone store. Then watch us anytime, anywhere. Hey, thanks, everybody. Um, Let's hope for peace. Pray for peace. We'll see you tomorrow. Stinchfield is next.